And now I am very excited for this episode of Miami Miked Up. A couple of guys who I've really been hoping to have on this podcast since the moment it started over 100 episodes ago. And now we have them here to talk baseball in the final week of the season. You know them as Cespedes Family Barbecue, but you also know them as Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz. Guys, thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, and before we dive into what now is a, a super newsy and crazy end of the Marlin season, I want to start each of you with the question I always start this podcast with. And Jordan, we'll start with you. What is something recently outside of work, outside of baseball, that has brought you joy? Oh, wow. This is the kind of question that I feel like you'd normally uh, end with, right? So mm-hmm. I love just just going like, bam, like, what are you, <laughs> what are you enjoying uh, that is not... That is not baseball. That's a good question, especially at this time of year when it's like truly we are that locked in. Right. I can only um, imagine that there's not a lot going on in your life outside of baseball. At the yeah, moment. it's not much, but <clears throat> I'll say uh, GeoGuessr. GeoGuessr is a game. I don't know. <clears throat> Jake's like, what the hell, man? Uh, I texted you and wanted to play GeoGuessr last week and you didn't respond. That's why Jake is, is mad about this. Uh-huh. Yes, that um, is what I'm mad about. <laughs> I know. That's that is what he's mad about. Uh, that's Jake, by the way. I'm Jordan. Hey, Jake. Uh, I have been not even as much playing as much as watching and consuming the GeoGuessr. If you're unfamiliar with the game, it is basically where it plops you somewhere in the world in Google Maps and you have to guess where you are based on uh, what you're looking around. Um, oh, I love and that. The reason, yeah, so it's it's fun to play. And I've, and apparently I did not play with Jake recently and I, I apologize to Jake, but I've just been watching so much, uh, particularly because there is a GeoGuessr World Cup coming up in a couple what? of weeks. Uh, in Sweden with a bunch of the best players that I've been watching on uh, Twitch and stuff for the last uh, year and so. And so I'm just excited about that. So yeah, it's super dorky. But if you watch it for even five seconds, you'll be like, holy shit. I feel like I'm about to get hooked on that the moment we stop (laughs) recording this podcast because now I'm very excited. Jake, but Jake, sorry, I was I wasn't I wasn't ducking you (laughs) again, but that's a it's a real thing. So yeah, GeoGuessr has been something I'm excited about. All right, Jake, what about you? What's been bringing you joy off the field other than your now new rivalry with your podcast partner? Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay, man. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm just trying to foster meaningful relationships with the people I work with. And Jordan is just not even like can't tonight, just total ghosts. Ghosts, yeah, I know. Jay, sorry, that's true, Jake. You always respond to all my texts. That so. is a great that is a great point. <laughs> I re- okay, so just quickly, I'm a bad person. I have 278 unread text messages and Jordan is the person that I do respond to the most often besides my fiance. That's true. Um, it is my biggest character flaw. I am working on it. It's bad. That's um, brutal. 278 yeah. is a lot. I have like 11 and I'm getting extreme anxiety. Yeah, no, I so I have depression and not anxiety. And so I'm fine mm, leaving there you those go. unread. That's fine. Yep. Uh, right. What is bringing me joy? Uh, I've been drinking a lot. <laughs> yeah, let's of- go the opposite direction. Yeah. yeah, I've been drinking a lot of orange wine recently Ooh. because I'm 28 years old and, you know, fake hipster. Yep. So I've been consuming a lot of that. What's up, Jordan? Uh, what is tell me more about that? I yeah, know you I have the same question, Marlins, but yeah, orange okay, wine, so orange wine. I'm not going to do this perfectly, but it has something to do with the uh, fermentation process of the wine and how long they leave the skin on the white, uh, uh, how long they leave the skin on the grape when they are creating the wine and it orange wine is kind of more of a funkier uh taste and it, it is drunk 
cold, similar to white wine or rosé, but it uh, it doesn't involve oranges. Does not involve oranges. Okay. It's made from grapes. The color of it is orange. It's really confusing. Uh, yeah. I would have thought it was oranges. Yeah. To be honest with you. And as in, as can I? What's like the curse level on this show? Just <laughs> I mean, as I don't in know. the asshole yeah, from <laughs> New York City. Uh, I have gotten interested in that over the last couple of months, and that has brought me a lot of joy. I love that. I'm so I'm I'm bewildered. I, I texted Jake last week asking if he wanted to share his orange wine <laughs> recipes, and he didn't, he didn't respond. Unbelievable. Anyways, that's amazing. All right, let's talk perfect. about the Marlins. Yeah, let's talk about the so, Marlins. Let's so do that. I, so I would say orange wine and um, infrastructure YouTube are my two things right now. Whoa. I love bridge building, dam building. Uh, anything with a steel beam, I'm 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 all in on. It sounds like a damn good time. Uh, let's talk Marlins. Uh, last night was insane. Um, th- this is, I, I asked you guys to do this podcast, assuming we would just be previewing the final three games of the season, knowing wherever the Marlins stood in the postseason standings as they chase a wild card. They're a half game up of the Cubs now with three games to go, and that doesn't make a lot of sense for anybody. Uh, That's because last night's game in New York was postponed in the top of the ninth inning. Rain came in. uh, There were two runners on. The Marlins had taken the lead in the top half of that ninth inning, which is an important note. They were down 1-0 after 8. They take the lead 2-1. Rain cancels the game. And a whole bunch of calamity in the hours that ensued. After the initial postponement in the rain delay, uh, there's visuals. If you were watching the broadcast last night, you can go to Bally Marlins on Twitter and find those videos now. But of Skip Schumacher out there with the grounds crew, with the Mets, trying to somehow figure out how to make the field playable. There was a gap of time where it seemed like the rain had slowed. The Marlins wanted to start the game back up. The Mets grounds crew didn't act. This all dates back to the the first game of the series that was canceled because the field was unplayable because the grounds crew had not covered the field the first day of a tropical storm from days before. This is insane. And every Marlins fan is infuriated with the Mets grounds crew right now. Jake, you were at the game last night. Uh, You were also at the game that was canceled back on Tuesday. I have a million questions, but I just want your your sort of initial thoughts as you were watching all of this play out last night and, and your initial takeaways of, of what's gone down here in the calamity with the field in New York. So part of what's been weird about this whole series is the gap in urgency between wow, yeah. these two organizations at the moment, which is understandable. The Mets have had one of the most catastrophic seasons in baseball history compared to the expectations. And the Marlins have been better than most people thought they'd be and are fighting for a playoff spot. And so in the Mets locker room yesterday, where I was, I was in there, players are packing up bags and getting ready to be done. Right. And the Marlins are, you know, praying to whatever God they believe in that, you know, Louisa rise can walk tomorrow. (laughs) And so it is a very different energy between the two sides and that gap of an urgency manifested itself in terms of getting the field ready. The Mets did not have the field ready to go on Tuesday. And that created a, an atmosphere of distrust between the Marlins and the Mets, more specifically between skip and the Mets grounds crew. Mm-hmm. And so in my opinion, what happened last night on Thursday, as weird as it was, was more forgivable than I think the way it was responded to. And that's just 
but the frustration was understandable given how Skip was kind of and the Marlins were screwed over the night before, uh, on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I think things are at. Like, I don't need to tell people in Miami that what happens when it rains a lot. Right. You know what I mean? I know you folks have a roof on the. It's why we have a roof. It's why we have a roof. roof. It's why we have a roof. (laughs) So I don't want to sit here in New York City as a, you know, Northeast elitist and be like, guys, relax. It's raining. Right. Okay. I'm not doing that. And I'm not a Mets fan, to be clear. I'm not trying to justify the organizations Mm -hmm. handling this, but it's very simple. The Mets owner, Steve Cohen, publicly apologizing for how things were handled does not happen if he does not believe the organization messed up. Mm -hmm. Simple as. And the Marlins are the unfortunate recipient of all of this uh, bad vibeness. Well, and I think a lot of Marlins fans are infuriated also in part because if you really lump it all together in the emotions of the last 24 hours of the general Miami sports fan and what (laughs) the last 24 hours have felt like from a sort of regulatory league standpoint, it has been a disaster for Miami yeah. sports fans when you include the Damian Lillard news in all of this. So you wrap the, the mutual Marlins Heat fan together. And this frustration is real and it's sort of understandable. It dates all the way back again to this weekend. And I think there's this sort of feeling around Marlins fan base, which is like, hey, we're the little guy. Nobody cares because we're the Marlins and, you know, there's not as many fans in attendance and, oh, nobody really cares whether it's us or the Cubs who make it as the third wild card where if this was the shoe on the other foot, if this was the Mets, if this was the New York market, what would be happening right now? So, Jordan, I mean, when that's sort of the response from the Marlins fan base, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I, I get it. I, I I understand where you're coming from, and I, I can't say that your feelings are invalid. But I would say is, like, I do think, and this is, applies to... A lot of things, especially when you're talking about this point of the season, it is all a confluence of timing and unfortunate weather, right? And combined with the don't like it, play better mentality, which I do think you can apply to like 95% of baseball players complaining situations, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Win by don't leave it to the end of the game to yeah maybe know, don't be down one nothing after eight innings yeah score against David Peterson win more baseball games in these other situations like there's so many different versions mm-hmm. of that that when you're better teams forget the market size you don't have to worry about right but this kind of happened not that I mean I can't remember this level of chaos in terms of potentially having a weather thing involving and by the way you know understandably we're on a Marlins podcast we're thinking about this from the Marlins perspective as we should this could mess up all kinds of stuff for a lot of teams in terms of what they're expecting this weekend. So, which as a neutral observer, you know, we host a podcast and we talk about everybody. It's like hilarious for us, but we're also kind of overwhelmed by the chaos that potentially is, is heading our way in the next few days. So, but like I said, I totally understand where your thing is like, Oh, they wouldn't, but I don't understand how it would really be. Maybe it would be talked about differently. Yeah. I Maybe think that's more, more. I think that's more of, of what it is. More people is you would, would be like, "Oh, whoa!" Rallying around the, the poor Mets, where there is this sort of feeling of, "Oh, it's just people shouting into the night." Hey, sure. let's help the Marlins. But on the flip side, this also sets up one of the the from a from a neutral <laughs> observer standpoint, this sets up one of the coolest playoff scenarios in the history of baseball. Like you could have oh, the Marlins yeah. flying back to New York to play one out of the top half of the ninth inning. And then the bottom half of the ninth inning for their yeah. season at City yeah. Field. I mean, how cool is that? It's it's so cool. Although, again, 
if we're talking about Skip Schumacher being stressed out, oh my God, how are you managing your bullpen? I mean, you have to win one day at a time, right? Like you're not going to save Tanner Scott for Monday, absolutely if you not. Need him to pitch Saturday and Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's the other thing, right? I could see a scenario where this weekend, if they like win one or two or whatever, basically it gets to a point where because they lost to the Pirates, they need to go play on Monday, and it's like. Well, beat the Pirates, right? And like that's a situation that yeah. is also very realistic. So there's <laughs> Monday is a long time from now in baseball terms. It's so long, and we uh, we will see what happens. Well, and what's crazy is is look, the Marlins' magic number is three. If they just go sweep the Pirates, none of this is in the discussion. They don't have to worry about how the Cubs play. They don't have to worry about going back to New York. I believe three was also Jack Johnson's magic number. <laughs> How did that work out? Yeah. Are the Marlins going to reduce, reduce, and recycle? <laughs> we're good. I mean, again, we're going to, there's only one way to find out. You got to go play these games. Yeah. Let's not talk about the, the Miami recycling infrastructure. Uh, but when we deal with, when we deal with, with the Marlins at this point, you know, if they have to go back to New York, it's because they didn't get the job done in Pittsburgh. And, and so if that has to happen, there's no one to blame but themselves. That said, it would set up for the fascinating scenario, right? Like you said, of now the Marlins have to make a decision on Braxton Garrett on Sunday. And do they do they potentially go with a starter for one inning in that ninth inning game who could have been somebody who maybe starts game two on what, like somebody who would have been throwing a bullpen day? And do they go with one of those guys to not waste a reliever? Like there's so much gamesmanship that has to happen. Here's another thing that, and I do want to talk about like the players on the yeah. violence, at least let's, for a little bit here. Yes, let's do it. Yes. Uh, even though they're all injured. So they're sure. <laughs> right. So it's about. irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> is, this is one. And, and our, on our, on our baseball barbecue cast this morning, we sort of sketched some of these out. I'm also thinking about the fact that the wildcard game is supposed to start on Tuesday. Yep. There could be a situation where not just the Marlins maybe have to win and fly to Milwaukee and play the next day. If you're the team that maybe gets in instead of the Marlins on Sunday, say you're Chicago, say you're Cincinnati, say you're San Diego, again, unlikely, whatever. Are you flying to Milwaukee? I guess it's close enough for Chicago. Are you going to Milwaukee on Monday morning just in case? Wow, what a great (laughs) point. There's going to be potentially a team that flies to a wild card city waiting to find out whether or not they're going to play and then just has to fly back without ever playing a baseball game. This is setting up Dude, for, the, it's glorious. The Milwaukee Weston is going to have five <laughs> yeah. baseball teams in it on Monday morning. That's amazing. Anyway, I yeah, just, if anybody's that's, trying to get some autographs, you know where to go. I will say, if I've learned anything from, you know, the collective baseball internet trying to will absurd situations into existence in the final weekend it never happens right so while as we look at it now it does seem likely the marlins are gonna have to play this game some amount of this will be settled the padres will probably be eliminated tonight like mm-hmm. there's versions of this where we probably are not gonna get maximum chaos but as it stands now it is hard to imagine that they aren't gonna have to go finish that game and that alone is really wild well especially because now they didn't leave new i mean the game got canceled at one in the morning like Today's game in Pittsburgh is not exactly an easy game to win if you're the Marlins and all of a sudden you are setting yourself up where you don't get it done, you don't control your own destiny, you don't move forward. Jake, what did you so have before I, we, we moved to the team? Yeah, so like I think fandom is very it's very easy as a fan to prefer woe is me right. and to 
want to view your victimize your own team all the time and say, man, we're getting screwed. And I think 99% of the team, the time, that's not the case. I mean, you're talking to a guy who yesterday sang sad Pepos on a radio show uh, because the heat didn't trade for Damian Lillard. So maybe you're not talking to the right guy. (laughs) That's not real. Like that's not. Yeah, no, I know real. Right. This is real. The Marlins Marlins fans like feel peeved about this. Mm -hmm. This sucks. It's a bad bounce. It's not like we could put a dome over New York City. We're working on that. I mean, Steve Cohen could afford it. Steve Cohen could afford it, right? But it's like, this is a really bad bounce for the Marlins. And is the type of thing that Skip's going to walk into the locker room this afternoon and be like, adversity, they they don't want us to do this. And the guys are going to be like, yeah. Yep. I do know. I do love uh, the weather hates us. I do love that I'm looking at my MLB app today, and the only game that does not have a probable starter for either team is the Marlins Pirates game. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> every there's a starter listed for every other game and every other team. I literally but don't even know. Even the Pirates are just like, how are we supposed? To right. I don't even know how the Marlins are going to field the team essentially going into the postseason. But that that's where we stand now, right? Like, so let's let's talk about what the season has been like a little bit for now because this has been. God, I mean, for for me, for for my money, one of the most entertaining seasons in Marlins history with all the ups and downs being down to the wire here for the wild card um, and some players who have stood out with individual performances that have been really special. I mean, it starts with Luis Arias, but it kind of goes down the roster for guys who who overachieved or, you know, other guys who were deadline additions who have helped carry this team to the postseason. Um, If I just throw out to you, Jake. The Miami Marlins in 2023. What's sort of the first thing that comes to your head about this season? Skip. Mm. I know that's kind of the wrong answer, but there's a legitimate culture shift in the clubhouse. Not to bash Don Mattingly on his way out the door. I mean, he put in a heck of a shift as Mm. the main man of the Marlins. It's a good way of putting it. Skip is different. He is, I mean, the guy is named Skip. He's named Skip and he's the Skip. Yep. He straddles the line perfectly between being a friend of the players and being their boss of empowering them and holding them to account. He moves with conviction and purpose and Mm. meaning in a way that not a lot of other managers do. Jordan and I have a take that there are three good managers, three bad managers, and 24 question marks at any given time who could be interchanged with one another. I'm not ready to say that Skip is definitively outstanding. Sure. You know, 158.99% games into the year. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But he's close and he's getting there. And he is a huge reason why this team is playing above their skis right now. Arise is a big part of it. Um, And then from a player's side, the organization's ability to just churn out legitimate pitching prospects is really remarkable. And Mm -hmm. unlike most other organizations in the league, that is something that this organization is legitimately one of the best at them, Cleveland and Seattle are kind of the tops at this. Mm. And that's a big part of, even though they've had injuries with pitching, their ability, like, here's Edward Cabrera. Here's Yuri Perez. Mm -hmm. Here's a much better version of Jesus Lazardo. You know, Trevor Rogers has been nothing. And Sandy's been 
I mean, I always heard all year, but like Sandy's been worse and hurt and mm-hmm. still it hasn't mattered because they're eight. Here's Braxton Garrett. Really good for, yep. you know, 28 starts or whatever the heck. It's really something else. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great point that the the pitching has carried them despite the fact that the pitching hasn't been what everybody anticipated. Like Sandy right. wasn't what everybody anticipated. Johnny Cueto was a dud of a signing, except for somehow being on the mound to start and win a game in New York in the final week of the season, even though he was just average. Uh, you know, Trevor Rogers, like you said, got hurt, hasn't been a part of it. Edward Cabrera, for that matter, really hasn't been as good as everybody hoped he would be, and yet... Like you mentioned, send him down for a month, sort of get him right. And now since he's come back up, he's looked great. And that has something to do with that sort of communication that they have from the top down in the organization when it comes to pitching. And so Correct. And just quickly on Cabrera, like mm-hmm. we talk about as like we wanted him to be like a right. They want him to be the next one Sandy. of these guys. Right. right. Four two two ERA and 96 innings. There's a ton of value in that. Like the difference sure. between that and the poopy interchangeable, you know, 5.5 ERA guy you're calling up from AAA is a huge gap. There is a huge gap, and I, I agree with you on that. I think you're right. I think it, it, it there's this sort of expectation because the Marlins have been so good at this, at developing these guys and churning them out and making them all legitimate major league starters, that when the stuff is there, too, it's like, oh, man, that means he must be an ace, where that's not always going to work out with all of these guys. And, you know, Heck, for that matter, they can break down with injuries like Sixto Sanchez did. Jordan, when, when we talk 2023 Marlins, uh, what, what's coming to your head as, as we move beyond skip in the starting rotation? Mm-hmm. The words that come to mind are like urgency and this is not one word, but like they made up for a lot of mistakes that they made the offseason before. Mm-hmm. And the, or when I say urgency, we've seen them try and they've pushed a lot of buttons here. They've made a lot of moves and the ones that they made before last season were undeniably catastrophic on Mm -hmm. so many levels. Some of which we are still seeing with Joey Wendell and Jacob Stallings being two of the worst hitters in baseball, right? Guys, Arvisao Garcia is not even the lineup. Garcia is just like he's he's non-factor, right? Injured like so bad, right? Mm -hmm. The Soler one, I was confident he was injured. That's fine. We move that aside. He's been great this season, right? But this year, when you see the moves for a rise, and that one I think could still be debated in some senses because of how good Pablo Lopez has been, but I understood it because, as we just mentioned, they had the pitching coming. A one-for-one one swap fine. that made sense. That's fine. With roster happy, man. Happy for both teams, right? Mm-hmm. Great. But even Guriel, whose numbers don't jump off the page, but who's had so many good hits, obviously the trades for Bell and Berger, which wow. arguably saved the season, mm-hmm. okay? You can go back even farther and see what Tanner Scott has become. I know that's a trade that goes back a little bit farther and there have been some whiffs still right obviously david robertson has not been anywhere close to what you have want i think puck has been good but he's has certainly had his shaky moments but they have they've hit on enough of those additions in a year where they needed to in every possible sense that they have been able to take advantage of it is it going to be enough we're about to find out this weekend right but credit to them for doing enough to be in position here because they t- they realize they recognize that the deadline in particular we are not going to have a year where the Mets are a complete catastrophe every season. Like that is, and, and the Padres, when we open it up to the larger National League landscape, this is an opportunity. They saw it as an opportunity, not just because they knew how much they had to bounce back from last year. They saw it as an opportunity and they capitalized on that. There are still flaws in this roster, obviously. There are still parts of the team where I'm just like, what am I getting here? But it is, to your point, an extremely fun group and easy group to root for. 
especially with the manager uh, who's in charge. And I hope, I mean, I, I would love to see them in the playoffs in, in some some form. They have adults in the room, Jeremy. Mm. They have adults in the room. That's a big deal. Josh Bell, that's a boring dude. That is a, <laughs> like, he, that is yeah. a very intelligent, very smart, boring guy. Mm-hmm. You know what you need on a good ball club? Some More boring guys. Yeah, you do. It is helpful to have John Birdie. What a boring guy. Mm-hmm. Nice, boring guy. That is nice and helpful. Yep. That is what good teams have, a couple boring guys. It, it's such a good point, and I think that what, what we've seen this season in terms of that roster construction, like you talked about, was just um, more major league depth, right? Like, this wasn't about necessarily, yeah. yes, Arias hit 400 for three months, and so that acquisition and him sort of carrying the offense in the first month of the season and Soler going crazy with his home runs, obviously, those things were beneficial, but what you saw with those additions of guys like Yuli Gurriel with the development of Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz was all of a sudden for that matter Garrett Hampson has been such a wonderful plug and play guy for the Marlins this season when they needed it Jonathan Davis for a month in center field before he got hurt like all of these guys at the the bottom of the roster who were not flailing triple a guys they were not, and this right. is of no offense to him personally, right? But they were not J.J. Blade and 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 Peyton Burdick coming up and being overwhelmed. It was more, right. at the very least, major league ready players who could help sustain things throughout the yes. season and allow the rest of your guys to come back and carry you. And Kim Ang's self-awareness to like realize that the Segura deal was a disaster yep, and to cut bait on that and to dump that contract in the middle of the season and not hold on too long is the type of thing that not a lot of GMs do. GMs are often hesitant to admit fault. Yeah. I mean, we all are. We're all human, right? But to say, this was a bad contract we gave out, obviously right away, let's try and win this year. Sorry, Gene Segura. Thank you for your service. Goodbye. Right. Let's give those at-bats to somebody else. Like, that is a difficult thing to do. And and I'm, I think they had what could be a really transformative important meaningful deadline when absolutely and when and when you maneuver that right it's giving up a prospect with that player to send him out to cleveland to get back josh bell who's been arguably your most important bat in this line like that trade was such an overwhelming win even if josh bell were to opt out and not be here next year let alone the fact that you've got an opportunity to potentially you know get him for the next few years i, I know he he loves playing down here he and jake Berger have become such good friends and it's such a funny like buddy cop movie the two of them when you see them in the clubhouse together just kind of chatting but um let's let's break this down because i know we we got to wrap up in the next couple of minutes so um i'm gonna say first let's just say how do we think things shake out here in the national league do we believe that the marlins are going to end up securing this final wild card spot in the mayhem of the weekend i'm getting some shaking head yeses jordan do you want to start here is that is that a yes for i sure? i think i i've been pretty consistent for the last i think month or so that i believed it was going to be them in arizona and i and i think the fact that they hold the tiebreaker over chicago Huge. i think makes a big difference too um and i i think they're going to find a way to get this done i i don't know if it will take monday or not uh, and I don't know who the hell is going to be left to pitch uh, to start to relieve in Milwaukee potentially. Who cares, yep. right? It's not right. about that. Schumacher will happily continue to play a million days in a row with all kinds of nonsense happening if it means they can be in the playoffs. So I would love to see it. Uh, Jordan has been consistent. 
with his belief in the Marlins. I have wavered in every direction with every team in the National League. <laughs> I think at one point I picked the Rockies. No, I'm not <laughs> outrageous. Uh, I will also throw my hat in the Marlins ring. Simply like Jordan said, the tiebreaker is huge. When there yep. are this few games left, their current half game lead over Chicago is effectively a game and a half because mm-hmm. if they tie, the Marlins are in. And so that is a huge, huge deal right now. Um, what an odd, hilarious team. It's perfect. It reminds me, uh, just a quick story, and then I'm going to I'm gonna run no, that please. out of here. Please. When I was in college, I played very mediocre college baseball at a Division three school. In my senior year, we, during finals week, a lot of the younger kids on our team, the non-seniors, had a lot of exams. And our coach brought the seniors together, and he said to us, there were 10 of us, he said, look, you guys don't have a lot of baseball left. If you want to play this week, I'll take the 10 of you on a bus and we will go play. I love half it. of us were pitchers, you know, yeah. it was like, we'll go play the 10 of you want to play. We'll play. I and so that. like we went and played a doubleheader with like 14 guys, a couple of the underclassmen went. And when I see Skip Schumacher, I think about that moment that I had oh. of my coach being like, you got 10, we, we got 10. Let's go. We nine dudes, anybody who can walk, yep. you know, who owns a baseball bat? Let's go. Let's go play the Pirates. We're going to go do this thing. And so the Marlins right that. now, uh, here's what I hope, okay? And I'm going to look back to my experience last year of covering the Phillies in the mm. offseason. And I know that there's a lot of different situations. It's a very different situation with the fan base and how the cities treat baseball and the way that the organizations have treated the city. I know mm-hmm. that's a big reason. Yeah, huge part of it. I went to the final Phillies home series of the regular season last year and there was no one there Hmm. right and they went out and got hot down the stretch and they won the wild card round and they beat the braves in one of those games in the nlds and i came back for nlds game three the game where reese hoskins spiked the bat into the earth's core and the place was rocking and if the marlins can sneak on in and upset the brewers yep game three in miami will be rocking i couldn't agree anymore I couldn't agree. And anymore. I want people in this city who are listening to this. You, I understand if like you're not quite ready to hop on the bandwagon, and I know you haven't watched real playoff baseball in a long time. There's nothing better. So yep. if you have the opportunity to go, if the Marlins get in, let yourself care because you do not have a lot of opportunities to do it. I love that advice, Jake. Uh, it's incredibly wise. Um, and on that note, you can can dip on out of here. Yeah, I gotta uh, go meet with the wedding planner. But you know, I, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave Jordan here to wrap it up for us. Jeremy, yeah, we'll, thank you. We'll wrap it up. Thank- no, Jake, thank you, man. You this is butt, amazing. Dude. Hey, thanks, dude. I appreciate you. Thank Keep you. Keep the fish hot. Yeah, we will. That's that's what we'll do. Um, and it's appreciated. And and I do think that I sort of view things um very similarly to how how Jake does there with Skip Schumacher. You know, we were talking about it before, like all these guys. And and I had a conversation with Jesus Lazardo, who we were talking about a bit before we started, in like June about Skip and just the difference of how it felt inside the clubhouse and. He's like, look, it, it, it is a completely different feeling with this coaching staff. They are sort of players coaches, but also hold us accountable in a different way without feeling like we're being reprimanded like little kids. Um, and I think that, that that's a difficult dynamic to, to figure out as a manager and as someone who's who's come off of playing like that. Like it's it's fun, man. And that type of fiery attitude. Totally. And we, we we're, we're believers in Skip. And I, I think, too, in that case, with it, it really wasn't even about how good or bad of a job he was doing. 
it, it's like a version of like the change of scenery guy totally. described, but for the whole team. Exactly. Right? And I think that they may have happened to also nail the hiring, right? I mean, yep. it's possible that an average, you know, manager could have come in and had a similar effect because it was something different. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the combination of those things is, has put them in a really good spot. I agree with you. Um, all right. So I was going to ask both of you this, but there's a little rapid fire just before we get going, because I, I want sure. people to, to know what's going on around the rest of Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, first of all, if there's anything that you could give me on the other wild card race, because my God, the Mariners out West, I've been rooting for them all season long. Like, that's who I, I want to make it. But it Thanks, has been bud. <laughs> it's been mayhem. And I know as a as a Mariners fan, um, there there's uh, quite the tie there. Can you give me just sort of a, a brief synopsis of what's going on out West for the people who haven't been paying attention? Sure. So good to have me here instead of Jake for this, because mm-hmm. Jake's beloved Orioles just clinched the AL East, which is so Amazing. cool and i'm so excited to root for them if slash when the mariners are not in the playoffs i have the exact same feeling by the way if yeah. slash when the marlins either make it in or are eliminated or somehow don't make it if so if that happens the orioles are the next team in Easily. the list of 100 rooting for them yeah 100 uh that said uh last night jp crawford epic walk-off essentially saved the mariners season they wouldn't have been eliminated but at that point they would have been um, I guess two and a half out, I believe, entering the weekend. And instead they are, because the Astros didn't play last night, are still kind of right there uh, with Houston and Toronto, although Toronto's kind of getting close to locking themselves in to that second spot. But the main thing to know is that Texas kind of pulled away in the past week to the point where they're now, even still with last night's loss, have a two-game lead over Houston in the AL West. They can clinch a playoff spot as early as tonight and can mm-hmm. clinch, I believe, can clinch the division with a win tonight. Uh, I think, yeah, to, with a win tonight and an Astros loss. Now, the Diamondbacks losing on Thursday to Chicago meant that they need to pitch Zach Gallon tonight against right. the Astros. So the, the fact that one of uh, the weirdest, wow, one of the most right. important series of this weekend is interleague. Wow. is very rare and I didn't strange. even think about that. Right. Yeah. Both of these teams fighting for a wild card spot yes. in opposite leagues. Exactly. And so the Astro or the Mariners Rangers series, of course, is is very important still. But the D Max Astros, as weird as it is, is by far the most important series right. of the weekend. Um, especially with Arizona losing that game. At least tonight, there's if once if Arizona wins and if Seattle loses, then it becomes a little bit less interesting for the rest of the weekend. Mm -hmm. But because of yesterday, because Arizona lost yesterday, tonight is all about that Houston Arizona game. Tonight is Uh, like the the if you're looking for a night to just follow a bunch of baseball games, this is the best night of the season, and there and there won't be a better one. Like even no matter how things shake out tonight, it's pretty tough to think that there will be another day as interesting as following everything that's going on on this Friday night in baseball. Totally. But as for the rest of the American League, like Orioles clinch the division, they will have home field throughout the throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Rays are locked into that first wild card. They've got 97 wins. Twins, of course, will right. be the third team. And I think that's the other really interesting element for both Milwaukee and Minnesota, who I think are two very interesting and kind of similarly built teams based on pitching who are yep. maybe both being underrated. You know, Minnesota has this ridiculous postseason losing streak kind of curse you know carrying um but think about them the, neither of those teams have any idea who they're going to play 
and won't until probably the last day of the season. That's tough on the pitchers. That's tough on the pitchers. Listen, you'd still rather be them than the teams fighting for the spots, obviously. Mm -hmm. But from a game planning and from just a standpoint of how we are all thinking about preparing and previewing, of course, that we're going to do on our podcast, like, I don't know. This weekend will will still determine uh, determine a lot. Just when we thought we were getting some clarity, you know, the Mariners could have just been dead last night. Whatever. There is still much to be determined in both leagues, and that is a fun time of year. A great weekend of baseball. Okay, now actually rapid fire. Favorite favorite individual performance this season from a player. Both both from an individual game perspective. So like one game that you watched of a player that you were like, oh, this is the most fun I had watching a guy all season. And then one season long performance that has been like one of your favorite individual players to watch this year. Oh my gosh, that's a great one. Um, There are some, I would say the before he got hurt, the Otani homering and then throw or throwing a double header game. The double header day. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool probably, it's probably <laughs> so, the coolest thing we'll ever see in baseball like he he's... had a few right i mean there were a few like otani days that were just very difficult to fathom mm-hmm. so i would say that those definitely stand out um but then in terms of like season long and he's he's certainly still a, a correct answer i would say in that regard um man i mean the acuna season has just been so much fun to watch yeah especially what he's been able to do uh, just cutting a strikeout rate in half, I still do not totally understand I don't get how it. that happened. Yeah, I... um, this is like not something you should be able to do at this point in your career. Uh, so that I, I think that that's the and then and just that I, I love that the front runners for rookie of the year both just did it easily. Right. Gunner and Corbin Carroll ran away they, with it day one of the season. They was like, it's going to be Gunner and Corbin Carroll, and they're like. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's not. It's it shouldn't be that easy. It, it really is crazy. I, I remember um, a, a Diamondbacks game that the Marlins played against the Diamondbacks early in the season. It was the one game that we did. We did like a simulcast on on Valley Sports Plus, and mm-hmm. we were going into the game and we were doing all this sort of analytics stuff, and that was sort of the premise of the broadcast. And in looking at all of the numbers that existed for Corbin Carroll just to that point in the season, I was like, oh, is this guy? a superstar like I just hadn't really been paying attention to what was going on with the Diamondbacks I was like oh this guy is unbelievable so yeah yeah, a perfect example Carol and they're both I mean they're different kinds of players obviously outfielder and infielder um Carol's power is really stunning to witness Mm -hmm. because he's small right he is a small person He's not that tall and he's, he's, I mean, frail is a stretch, but to, he's certainly not like ripped. Well, it's like, sort of like Jazz Chisholm like, a little bit where it, he's sure, not a sure. huge it's guy right. and all of a sudden he's hitting yeah. 500 foot bombs. And you're like, how, totally how? right. And why? It's, it's the bat speed, but like it's the bat speed combined. I mean, Jazz, it's the bat speed with Carroll. Corbin Carroll like, is a, a, a polished like player on another level. Contact, too. right? It's mm-hmm. like perfect backspinning the baseball. He's hitting opposite field homers, like 420 feet. It's just like perfect contact more than. Like jazz, I mean, it's just the 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 thunder that, with which he can kind of rotate mm-hmm. is really what is more visually obvious. Whereas with Carroll, when the ball comes off the bat, you can't even really fathom how far it's going right. or how hard he's hitting it. So, and then and then Henderson is just a freak. I mean, he's he's like the fact that he's an infielder 
And really just, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, the Corey Seager starter kit. I mean, in a lot of ways, and you know, there's more strikeouts, mm. but also more walks. Right. And he's, his, his power is also amazing. So he's going to be a star uh, and, and that team hopefully, hopefully will be very fun to watch for a while. We'll, we'll see how the organization handles that core over the, over the coming years. Uh, but they should be fun. Who's a player in baseball that we maybe didn't appreciate enough this season? Um, I mean, I'm biased because he saved their season last night, but J.P. Crawford's been amazing. He's been the Mariners' most important player by far. Wow. Um, and Julio's numbers are still crazier, but everyone was like, move him to second. This is a joke. They're keeping him as a starting shortstop. Like, oh, you're not going to go after Trey Turner and Bogarts because right. you have J.P. Crawford? Like, what a joke, right? And while you can absolutely criticize the Mariners' front office for not spending more money and not pursuing guys, whatever, that's fair. But like they knew what they had in JP and JP leveling up to this degree is shocking and it's completely saved their Mariners season, not just in individual moments like last night. So he is one of the best shortstops in baseball. And uh, I hope people start to recognize that um, moving forward. I was going to ask you your your favorite surprise team outside of your favorite team, the Mariners, but I imagine the Orioles sort of fill that void. Yeah, I, yes, I would say, um, but I got to give some love to the Reds. I oh, live God, in, yeah. in Indiana, uh, about an hour north of, of Cincinnati. So I've been covering the Reds all season and they're amazing. I mean, that is a team that lost 100 games last year and had no and business were, being this good. You are not supposed like they were projected to be one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, like the Orioles were projected to be average, a little slightly below. They have blown past that. Yes, the Orioles are more amazing, but whatever. But the Reds, I just want to take a moment to appreciate them because I've seen it up close. I've seen what they've been able to do. And when I moved to this area last summer and they were both terrible and boring and ha seemingly had no direction, the fact that they had more rookies than any, they had more major league debuts than any other team this year, and to watch those rookies, of course, like Elliot De La Cruz, seeing him up close, being at his debut, oh my goodness. I know he's cooled off in the second half and has, and has struggled offensively, but... In terms of guys that like you want to just turn the TV on and watch, very short list, but all kinds of rookies. Spencer Steer, Matt McLean is there. He's unfortunately finished the year injured. Absolutely their best player. And Carnacion Strand has been amazing. On top of watching what is maybe the end of Joey Votto has been oh. a delight, right? And so being up close for that team, obviously, I mean, they're still alive. There's there's a version where they can sneak in. Um, hopefully not. No, thank you. I guess it likely would be at the Marlins, It'd be at the Marlins expense. So, so no, no, thank yeah. you. So, but obviously I'd rather see them than the Cubs. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, at the very least. So, uh, I, I, uh, will be of course thrilled to see Miami in and, and it's going to be tough for Cincinnati this weekend, but for them to make it this far is just astonishing and they should be feeling really excited for next season. Their team is an absolute blast and there was a series in Cincinnati right after David Robertson was acquired, right after the deadline, that was just one of the most entertaining series of baseball that I watched the Marlins play all year and that Reds team is just so much fun. There were so many cool big moments in that series and yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, there's there's so many fun young players across baseball right now. Like what a, yeah. what a great time to be a baseball fan. And so yep. that said, I'm going to make you do it early because we don't even know who's making the playoffs at this point. But I'm going to make you do it because I have you here. Who are your picks to, at the very least, go to the World Series this season? And if you want to give me a winner, I'd love to hear it. Sure. So I am going to pick the Astros until I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that for, I think, the last five years. And That's I've great. Closer to being right than not. 
Um, it is out of uh, disdain, but also out of respect. Right. I like so, that. So I think the American League is just really interesting when you have these teams at the top like Baltimore. I really think... I think Milwaukee's always the trendy pick as the pitching, but I I think we should channel that energy towards Minnesota. Truly, I really do cool. think that that's a team that has the pitching, and they're also super injured right now on offense. But like, I just I I think Minnesota is is, is sneaky here. So I'll still go Houston, and then man, like the Braves are so much better than everybody else, so they're probably the answer. Um, but no, I'll I'll just go keep it boring and go Astros revenge for twenty twenty one. Uh, over the Braves. Unfortunately, it would be miserable for a lot of people. I'm sure. That's about um, so as I hope mi- I'm wrong. yeah. That's about as miserable of of a prediction as you could have made on this particular podcast for Absolutely. people who are 100%. are Marlins fans who could totally, not totally. possibly Terrible. enjoy that less. Awful yeah. stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's going to be. I don't, <laughs> I don't like being. I don't like being wrong. I would love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong here. So I'm looking forward to hopefully being wrong. Oh, well, hopefully, hopefully it's a uh, a Mariners Marlins World Series, which oh would just gosh. be. I mean, what a joy mm. that would be. Oh my! The cross country travel might not be great, but <laughs> but but from where we are right now, that sounds like a hell of a plan. I know. And hey, but this is the thing, right? I mean, we, we've seen like I, I'm I'm gonna be boring and pick the favorites. Um, but I understand that, yeah, you just got to get in, right? Right. You just got to get in. And, and we saw it last year. It, it Ironically, of all guys to yeah. have said it before the season started, it was Gene Segura who said to me, hey, look, <laughs> I was just on the Phillies, and all we had to do was get in and then get there. Get and I know that's what he was preaching to these guys while he was on the roster, yeah. even while he was struggling. They loved him because yeah. that was sort of his message is, hey, Fuck along every day and just get there. So, Jordan, before I let you go, I just want to give you a chance to sort of plug all of the places because sure. I know there's a, a multitude of spots where we can find your content and Jake's content with Cespedes Family Barbecue. Of course, yes. So, Baseball Barbecast is the the main the main thing we would love for you if you're listening to this podcast. I'd uh, love for you to join us going, I mean, Monday, Wednesday, Friday during the regular season, but it is going to be even more frequent in October once we get to the CS round. We're basically going every day. So uh, check that out, Baseball Barbercast, Sirius XM, Podcast Network, and then uh, covering and writing about the postseason all October uh, at foxsports.com. So you can find our work over there. If you just go to the website, click on stories, and you can find, if you have the app too, you can add both Jake and I as uh, all of our work pops up on there. So that is, those are the, the main things, at least at this time of year. Of course, we cover a lot of college baseball too um, in the spring. Uh, but right now it is it is full October mode. And uh, and yeah, and then I'll be uh, watching the GeoGuessr World Cup in a couple weekends. So looking forward. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to send you some info. About uh, yeah, that. please, seriously, I I expect that in my DMs as soon as we hang up because I I can't Got wait it. to get looking at it. Uh, I I say this very meaningfully here at the end of this podcast, which is that Jordan and Jake do some of the very best work when it comes to covering baseball. I love what it is that they do. I could not recommend higher to subscribe to their podcast and listen to it throughout this postseason because I promise you if you're looking for good fun and informative baseball coverage like these two guys are your guys to do it I cannot wait to be listening throughout the postseason thank you Jordan also Jake even though you're not here thank you guys for for joining me today on this episode of Miami Mic'd Up thank you man this was fun